Uh, hi, everybody. Yeah, all right. Well, we're live. <laughs> we are live. Uh, we were just talking about how this is uh, Mr. John Letterman's first U.S. convention appearance. <laughs> you've, you've done some at, like, what is it, e- EGX or something like that? Oh, yeah. I've done various other events, mostly in Europe. And, you know, I'm always out in the U.S. for like, E3 and whatnot, but uh, I am certainly not the featured guest at that show. That's, <laughs> well, that belongs yeah. to Jeff Keighley, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, but... But events like this, like I, I have come to have a much greater interest in like the fan-driven events than the industry events. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly yeah. because like events like uh, Long Island Retro Gaming Expo, like I, I see them as a celebration of like the games we've already got. You know, yeah. you know. Uh, whereas like the you these other industry conventions, you know, you're staying in a line for hours and hours to play a game for maybe maybe 10 minutes that you can't even take home with you you know yeah yeah it's not not that exciting it's usually <laughs> just a lot of work but so i guess we should probably start to get to the to the topic yeah uh, explain why we're here what are we doing here well we are well originally we <laughs> were going to do a a discussion about the the games that that inspired us uh, to get into the kind of things that we are into uh but recently we we took a, a different approach and we're going to talk about the uh you know the the trials of making uh video content about technology for better or worse for gaming about gaming technology i mean most people know of us as you know technically oriented uh videos that we make so we're just going to even though for for our channel that wasn't really our our intent yeah see that and that's what's funny actually is like I've kind of moved back. I've done a little bit less with just tech and tried to branch out into all history while talking tech along the way. And you know what I mean? Like embracing everything. Right. And you guys moved more in the tech direction. So we're kind of like somehow met in the middle a little bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, and, but that's what I respect so much about, about all of the work you do on Digital Foundry is because it's not just purely about tech you're talking about how does the tech support the gameplay how does it support yeah, all of exactly. these other ideas the developers were doing and it's it's a it's a celebration of those achievements yeah exactly exactly so so i guess then you know we've all we've been making videos for a while i suppose yeah uh, i mean we're coming up on six are we coming up on seven years since we since my life and gaming launched in 20, 2013 in october 2013, 2013. Uh, so it'll be October first. Mm. This year will be uh, seven years. It's crazy. Wow, John. When when did That's you awesome. jo- when did you join Digital Foundry? So I actually joined in 2013. But for those first two years, uh, we didn't really do a lot of video production work. Just sort of like the frame rate analysis stuff, and then mostly it was articles. So mm-hmm. we would write articles to support what we were discussing and finding. And then in 2015, that's when we made the videos. So I suppose it's actually kind of interesting to talk first how that changed. Yeah. Because, you know, back then it was literally just, we have this uh, proprietary tool. It's called FPS GUI. (laughs) It has evolved quite a bit since the old days. But the idea is that you capture in lossless video. uh, You take that video then and you import it into this program. And it literally scans through frame by frame. Uh, looking for a set of criteria, like it'll look for a torn frame. It determines how long it remains on screen. And, you know, you get the results from that. And then you can set up the graph from there and all that stuff. All the stuff, you know, from the old Digital Foundry graph, it all starts there. And we used to include that with the articles that we wrote. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on that side, video making was easy. 
and it was just about the writing. But now, obviously, you know, once we switched over to video, uh, you, you guys know it gets a little more complex. <laughs> it, absolutely. It gets a lot more complex. I mean, I don't know if there's any field of work other than video work where like it, it takes every single time, you know, that it, you should know that it's going to take longer than you think it will. Yes. And it does take longer <laughs> than you think it will, but you always convince yourself, you know what? Like, I think this one can go pretty quick. I think, <laughs> you know, like, and I felt yes. like this, this game boy IPS video that I'm working on right now, <laughs> uh, like, I imagine like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, there's not going to be a lot of problems with this. Like this is going to be an under 20 minute video. And then I found like a bunch of like weird little issues. And then like, do you find that? Like it's for me, like when everything just works perfectly, like the video doesn't necessarily have to be that long, but it takes so much more time to explain like problems <laughs> than when it just works. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. When you encounter things like that. So I think when we test like uh, any sort of new piece of hardware, which is something that we all kind of do, when you really want to go into those super detailed videos, uh, you kind of have to decide at the beginning, like how in depth you're going to go. Because once you climb down that rabbit hole, uh, the amount of work required goes way up. So, you know, obviously then with any video, it starts with just sort of playing with the thing whether it's a product a game you know a tool anything you just spend time with it right i mean that's what you do mm -hmm. and and then you never yeah. know what you're gonna find and <laughs> yeah especially with like pre-release stuff uh you know you get that nobody else is talking about it there's no forums to go to necessarily you just kind of have to play around and see what it is i mean usually if it's hardware related you at least have a contact or two mm -hmm. right. so you can kind of reach out like, Hey, it's doing this thing, you know, give them a chance to sort of respond and kind of work yeah. with you to, to better understand what's going on. So that's like the, the whole research part. And I think you guys kind of do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, we were talking just the other day about how it's nice when some of these people making some of the, you know, the cool retro tech, uh, sort of contact us well ahead of time and send us maybe some of the very first units that they're sending to anyone because it, it makes our jobs easier if they're able to fix the problems before we do a video because I don't want to make a video and release it like saying, oh, here's this problem, but then it's going to be patched out, you know, within a month. And Yeah, exactly. You know, I would rather say like, you know, here is this problem I had, and, but it was fixed. And I feel like that, you know, for whoever's making the thing, I feel like that, even though they might want to pretend that the issue never happened in the first place, I, I like to say like, here was this problem that was fixed because to their credit, I think that shows responsiveness uh, and, and willingness to uh, fix something. You know, people who pretend that their product is going to release and, and, and be perfect from day one and, and never need to be fixed again. Like sometimes I'm a little, I'm a little more skeptical of that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's been a gradual process to become skeptical early on. We were like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. 100% of the time. And then slowly as you discover issues, then, <laughs> then you learn to be yeah. skeptical. skeptical. Yeah. But then that kind of gets to the next part is like, you know, so I think, 
you know, we kind of work on a slightly different timetable because, you know, the, the pace of Digital Foundry is... I don't know how you do it. It's brutal, you know? It's my yeah. full-time job, so uh, pretty much got to make two videos a week most of the time. And that's insane. Unless I'm working on a huge video, so... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that's and... why there's... So I kind of break it down in terms of what types of videos I work on. You know, when I have a video... Uh, that are like those long hour-long retro videos, for instance. I mean, those things take a ton of time. And I, I, think I mean, it's, it's usually like a solid yeah. week of working until midnight every day, I, I, just I, crunching I wish, to get through it. I wish I could get through making a video <laughs> that was an hour long in that kind of time. And I, I, I do think it's worth noting that a lot of the retro stuff is just kind of a work of passion for you. You know, yes, it's not something exactly. that you are like assigned to cover or anything. This is this yeah, you're doing that stuff because you want to. That's interesting because, I mean, your whole channel started out focused on retro games. Of course, well, that's what you're known for, right? So, I mean, there, there's some modern stuff in there. I mean, but like, I think, I think retro stuff came to be what we do mostly because, like, it just naturally floated to the top because that's our passion. But, like, when I start, when we started the channel, I, I feel like I was playing probably more like, 60 to 70 percent modern games and maybe 40 to 30 percent retro games but now it's definitely i think shifted more strongly into the retro camp just because that's you know kind of what i'm working on for the channel so much but but yeah i think like you i think that the retro stuff just kind of became such a focus because you know that's it's where we came from and that's what we're passionate about and in a lot of ways yeah it's, I mean, it's almost easier yeah, to cover ahead. It's it, in a lot of ways, it's easier to talk about that stuff. Well, it's it's easier to find yeah. a voice too, because I mean, obviously, Digital Foundry has has a lot of eyes on them, probably too many eyes on them for you know the yeah, coverage of the modern stuff. But uh, I I think you know when something is you know a month old, three months old, even a year old, like yeah, you know, no one wants to hear about it anymore. But then when something is you know, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years old, like then it's kind of evergreen. There's never a, a bad time to talk about that thing, you know? So precisely, it, it, it's easier to find your voice uh, talking about retro stuff. That's what we found anyway. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's, that's obviously what I'm most passionate about. I mean, in my free time, I typically play classic games. Mm -hmm. I just find them more enjoyable and relaxing. Uh, like today I was just, playing around with uh marvel's the avengers <laughs> oh, the beta. Uh, i have to say Mar you, you gotta say marvel because that's just you know that's just what they call it i Marvel's actually couldn't find it man <laughs> i was looking in my download list to find it to download it on the ps4 pro because i redeemed the code and i was like wait i can't find it it's not under a it's not under t <laughs> and then i remembered it's under marvel m <laughs> but yeah i just found you know it's interesting but ultimately the game was just like it plays it's like knack but worse oh uh, no, and, come on. and with superheroes that. and i actually like no it's it really is <laughs> it's okay it's just i found it really boring and i kept thinking i'd really rather be getting back to something else because it has all those things in there where it's just well you got to earn like a million yeah. uh credits so you can upgrade uh, your your loot and you're just like fighting the same guys well, over and over and over again and it's, know, I, it's too I, much I, I hate how like literally every modern action game i mean not literally but far no, too not many triple a modern action games have to have like these rpg elements and i i like we were just talking on our panel yesterday like i feel like playing like 
I wish I could just have have the time to play RPGs all the time because I, I love RPGs. But like <laughs> when I'm playing an action game, sometimes I just I want my skills to be what they are, and for my evolution of skills to just be me getting better at the game rather yeah, than unlocking exactly. all this stuff. You know, like it's just <laughs> I, if I'm playing an action game, I want to get right into it. If I'm playing an RPG, I I want to get into those kinds of elements, but sometimes it's good for them to overlap, but I wish it wasn't like every triple a game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so John, but yeah, I mean, oh, oh, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. I, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, this is, I mean, I guess I, <laughs> I don't know if I cut your, your story short or not. Uh, but one of the things that, like really Im- impresses me is the amount of stuff that you just, you just know when you are like watching a, a <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm saying when you're watching like a, like a video of a new game for the first time, uh, you're able to say, okay, there's that effect. And all these things are are going on. How do you keep up with that? That kind of these new See, tricks. That's a good question. So, both in terms of game design and tech, somehow I feel like I've gained a very in, innate sense of of the way things work, and I can usually kind of just look at a game and kind of immediately know how it's going to play out. I'm usually right. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why I enjoyed Death Stranding so much, is because it was an example of a game that I had no idea what to expect and mm-hmm. that was enjoyable but with the with the technology um you know it's it's hard it's really hard to keep up with that like i feel like i feel like an idiot constantly because i'm just going through all these like white papers and watching like gdc presentations and looking for okay who worked on this game what what have they done and then you mm-hmm. can usually kind of research back through the stuff that they've written about and talked about and you read this stuff and it's just like man i don't know anything but it's just it's just trying to read and understand this stuff as best as possible Mm -hmm. uh with as much as i can you know yeah i mean it's 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 very impressive because like you i mean you kind of have this sense of like oh like this is expensive on this kind of hardware or uh, you know, they probably really couldn't pull off this kind of effect using this technique on this hardware. Like that's, you know, that, that <laughs> it's yeah, a lot to keep track of. That's part of the whole, I mean, that's what it takes to make the videos is you got a quick, you're playing the game, you're taking notes and researching things and just basically making a list of things that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go through, figure out what's most important uh, and then write the script based on what you've learned as best as you can. Uh, and then that means, so I usually just capture my first gameplay sessions, but then I need to go back and capture a lot more to get right. both, mm. uh, shots that showcase certain effects. And m- more importantly, I love to do this cinematic style camera pans. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I pretend I'm the cameraman. Yeah. That's actually, <laughs> maybe you guys do this, but it's, especially, it's harder with retro games. So with modern games, when I'm capturing for a video, I like to pretend that I'm giving an E3 demo. Oh, okay. So I'm very gentle with the camera motion. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do everything I can to make it look as cinematic as possible I mean, because I, it's just I, more pleasant to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I I hate having like jerky camera motions. I mean, like if you're playing a game totally naturally and you were to just like step back and think about these camera motions you're making, like it's not pleasing to look at. No, it doesn't look and great. I, I, you know, even when I'm just playing a game for my own enjoyment, though, sometimes I do like take that cinematic approach because like. I just like taking in the beauty <laughs> of the world. Like way back, like on like the first time I can really remember doing it is like 
with Wind Waker on the GameCube, like when you're sailing oh, yeah. across the ocean. I remember yes. I would just, with that music and everything, like just for my own enjoyment, I would just do these like slow sweeping rotations around the boat, you know? It's, it's See, that's fun. kind of interesting because that's kind of, you know, that's Wind Waker, right? There's, you have nothing to do when you're, when you're sailing <laughs> except for play with the camera. Yeah. So. Which, which, you know, I, I, at the time, a lot of people were like, oh, sailing's so boring. But, like, that no, was I, such I a understand. part of atmosphere of the game to me. Like, and that's why I enjoyed, like, you know, playing with the camera. Like, it just, sometimes the vastness of a game world draws me in. Although I know all of us kind of have issues with the, the modern implementation of, of open world but yeah and seeing a comment there i should note we will definitely be taking questions yeah so there will be plenty of time to talk about that we're just kind of going through this first as best as we can and you know all we can do (laughs) people can submit uh, questions using the q a tab that's at the top of the chat uh yesterday it filled up but then i was not able to remove any after we answered them so i mean that might happen oh boy but i'll just go back to the chat then at that point we'll see what happens yeah but Uh, but yeah so go ahead Oh, this leg, man. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so, I mean, like, I was like hearing about what you're like, where this that interest in in the gaming tech originated. Because for me, I mean, the first time I really thought about it, I think, was when yeah. I had a I had a coworker who was obsessed with Quake Two, and then he was like, "I got two Voodoo Twos running an SLI. You got to come over and see it." And that's the first time I really I thought about like these. <laughs> Like getting this hardware to like make it run better, and I never really thought about that because I was primarily console. I was primarily playing on consoles up to that point. I, I, I didn't even know that SLI existed in the Voodoo days. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that that's when it actually meant scanline interleave. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Which is where what you know, well, you know, the name describes what it does, but it worked <laughs> because it didn't introduce any of the frame hitching or. Right, incorrect frame pacing. So it was really effective, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember him telling me that you know, it like it's it's scan line interleave, and you know, each card is handling a scan line, and it's like alternating between them, right? Like it's like one. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. So it, <laughs> that's the the first time I was really aware of that kind of thing, but I didn't really think about it too much. I think until I started like watching your videos, like I didn't think about it too much more. I mean, huh. I, I didn't start thinking about it too much more and beyond that until I started watching your videos. Yeah, I mean, probably the same. I mean, I, I had a sense of like, you know, what what kinds of things you could generally expect from this console, this console and this console. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely Digital Foundry that made me think a lot about uh you know, wh- wh- what is building these games and what what kind of things goes into it because you know, when I first started watching that stuff, it might have been more like a curiosity of like, oh, what version's better? And I think a lot of yeah. people have this super misguided yeah. opinion that Digital Foundry is about, you know, console wars and which one is, is better, but that's not it at all. I mean, that's what drew me into Digital Foundry once I started looking at it for maybe that more of that surface level stuff. It's like, oh, this is like actually really interesting how these things are done, how the... Uh, how each console is optimized to be as good as it can be, you know, for that console, you know, it's, so just, it's interesting stuff. That, that's interesting. Cause that was one of the things I really worked hard to change. Cause it used to be just about, well, a versus B, right. Mm-hmm. That's how the channel was. And it kind of stayed that way for a while, but I started doing 
articles more about uh i think i called them what works and what doesn't <laughs> for games <laughs> and kind of look at that and then i started exploring more like interesting elements about what made the tech really cool because richard mm -hmm. did a few of these types of features but they weren't the norm and then i kind of felt like that's actually what i prefer to do mm -hmm. most of the mm -hmm. time when, when talking modern games so that i'd rather produce that than just a how does the ps4 version compare to the xbox version which well, is not and, really and, that exciting and... And two, when you do these videos that are on like console exclusives, whether that's for the Switch or the Xbox One oh, yeah. or or the PS4, like just celebrating the tech technological achievements ba uh, based on a game that was built for that platform, that's some of the most interesting stuff to me. Yeah, that's that's for sure. But going way back, Corey, you mm -hmm. were asking before what what started me down this path. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's interesting because I, I can specifically pinpoint it. It was in 1994. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was uh, I, I it was the first time I think I've I've told this story once or twice before, but mm -hmm. I saw Daytona USA in the arcade from Sega, and it was the thing that sort of uh, I suddenly realized what 60 frames per second was, even if I didn't really right. know what it was. Mm -hmm. I saw this 3D game, 3D graphics moving with such fluidity, mm -hmm. uh, with so much detail. I'd never seen anything like it before. Yeah. And from that moment, I made it sort of a quest to see something like that at home. <laughs> it took a very long time. I mean, that game was late 93 originally, and I saw it in 94 mm -hmm. uh, as it rolled out. And, you know, PC cards throughout the 90s when I was really into PC gaming... You couldn't run a game like that at 60 frames per second. There was nothing even close. Right. Uh, it kind of took until like the Dreamcast era. Yeah. That we yeah. actually saw something comparable, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's so funny because I, I it never like registered with me uh, back in the day that, you know, 2D consoles games were by and large 60 frames per second. Like I knew that video was you know, 29.97, you know, supposedly that that was what the yeah. standard was. And so I just, in my head, I thought, oh, that's what video games are too. And when like, uh, I started playing N64 and stuff, I, I never really thought. Then you thought about... they were all 15 frames per second. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just didn't think about that much. And, you know, like always, you know, you're, you're the frame rate guy and I, I'm a lot more forgiving <laughs> on frame rate issues than you are. And I like to think that that might be because like, I was so obsessed with N64. I, I became very forgiving. But like when F-Zero X was uh, in the works, uh, I remember there was like this big deal, uh, you know, Nintendo Power was like, it's the first 60 frames per second game on n64 which i'm not sure if that was really two because there might have been 2d games that were um, and, it, and it remains so one of like six that point, but, 60 isn't it it's, it's but, only six games that run at 60 frames per second on the system or something oh uh, well, i think it's under it's under 10 if i recall <laughs> but like when they were hyping that up as being 60 frames per second like for all i knew that was like the first 60 frames per second game of all time like it just <laughs> never it never it just never registered that like oh Super Nintendo, NES, like those games were also 60 frames per second. I just didn't understand that at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people actually don't. You often hear about how, like, oh, you know, these new consoles, we should have 60 frames per second now. Like, technology's evolved far enough. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, it used to be that way. Yeah. Like, yeah well, they're surprised. They, they don't also, understand. 
there's also people who will like fight you saying that like like 60 frames per second retro games is impossible that's not how well, like video worked back then and I, it's like which is well, you I know what incorrect <laughs> but you, i feel like i feel like the idea that old games weren't 60 frames per second in a weird way were kind of influenced by people watching these games on youtube for the first time in a long time and that was mm-hmm. when that was before uh youtube supported 60 frames per second that's so true. they're seeing them play that, at 30 and i think right. that they probably probably colored these games differently in their minds than they remember them being yeah actually and that that kind of ties back into the video production stuff we were talking about right, right. where uh you know for a long time we had to deal with the lower quality of youtube yeah i mean even in 2015 when we started making more videos of uh, 60 frames per second was not yet supported mm-hmm. there was a period where we experimented with something that was it's pretty silly now but we would actually take a video and send it out at half speed so if it was a 60 frames per second game we would slow it down to 50 percent speed and then upload that so it runs in slow motion at 30 frames per second then you could use youtube's <laughs> uh speed options uh-huh. to set it to double speed and then what you would see visually is the game running at 60. <laughs> so you did to that for a few that. videos yeah that's the problem is you have to communicate this and it didn't work well on mobile devices and so we just experimented with it, ended up not doing it. And then shortly after they actually did introduce 60 FPS support well, and all was well. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, even today with the technology that that's available to us now, like I know you've even talked about this recently where you have to consider like the multitude of ways that people might be viewing this video and how can you get that information across them? You know, uh, I think there's been some people who have said like, oh, like you shouldn't zoom in. You shouldn't slow it down because that's oh, yeah. not how it really plays out. But you also got to consider things like you're you're losing so much in this, all the steps that it takes to get from the original render on the console to yep. the capture that you've made to the render that you've spat out to YouTube compression to maybe someone watching on their phone, maybe someone watching at 30 frames per second to get all that information conveyed. Like, again, I'm working on this this uh, Game Boy IPS video. Like, I'm not even going to be able to totally count on, like, how is someone going to perceive the uh, the perceived motion blur on this? You know, I can yeah, represent exactly. the best I can, but everything from the camera shutter to the refresh speed on or the the um pixel refresh speed on someone's monitor like i i have it i've done comparisons where i have it play out like normal speed half speed 25 percent speed just to give a few different versions of how someone like there's just so many so, considerations yeah. you know? and that's exactly that's something that all of us do on our mm-hmm. channels i mean that's what we're doing is it's about showcasing this stuff helping people understand it better right and because of all those things in the way that prevent it from being visible normally uh thanks to all the compression and the different displays that you can't count on people having uh it, that's really the only way i think is to really zoom in try to be very cautious in what you show you guys do it really well with those all the the little windows i mean we kind of use a similar idea it's yeah. just it's that's how you do it. You know, zooming in on stuff. It's it's the way. That's how you show this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, John, you like before making videos for YouTube, like you had never really done any video work. You're so no. you're, you're you're like a completely self-taught video editor. I mean, yeah, try and I like, because Corey and I come from video editing backgrounds and I feel like you've like 
in such a short time completely gotten up to speed on on how to make great videos i mean it's insane how well you have taken to it well it comes from a place of passion of course <laughs> and i will say for sure you guys the biggest inspirations for me like the video work you guys did the, all the camera stuff and just uh i look at that and it's it's extremely inspiring it's about it's so all, i can it's really all, tell it's all the about passion that. the love and just the absolute skill that goes into creating those videos. It 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 makes me want to be better, basically. Well, well, so, your 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 stuff makes us want to be better too. So <laughs> exactly, and that's that that should be the best thing, right? Is push each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just inspiring each other, and you know, like you definitely have a huge inspiration on us in the uh, in on the technical side, and and certainly thinking about aspects of of games than we would normally think of. You know, just you know, comparing different yeah. versions against each other and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I mean, like I, like the, the camera work, like we can see like our inspiration on you. And I think that's such a good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing mm -hmm. to see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, guess, yeah. Go ahead. So early on, I mean, what were, what was your experience like making videos early on? Oh man, it was so <laughs> difficult for me at first. Uh, I did a video on Gears of War Ultimate Edition back in 2015, right before I moved to Germany. I was in France at the time. And looking at it now, I mean, if you go back and watch it, it's not great. Mm -hmm. But at the time, that production took me two full weeks. And when I was done, I thought, I can't, this is insane. I can't believe how hard this was to do. It took <laughs> me so long. And it was just <laughs> absurd. And then it's nothing now. I could do that in, in like a day. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I look back at our early stuff and I'm just like, man, I, I wish things were still this easy. And like, we can't, we like, even though sometimes we dream of like going back to when things were simpler, like we can, we just cannot like restrain ourselves. Like I think you do a better job, like restraining yourself, so, which is probably, which is probably that, healthy in some ways because you, you, you've got to get them out, you know? So the, us, yeah, like... that, that's it. That's the point is mm -hmm. like, I would like to take more time, but you know, when you got those deadlines, yeah, you got it. You got to do what you got to do. Oh, so the, the that's, that's kind of greener though. Right. Like, exactly. But I, I, I think like, that's oh, an interesting, just, just leave this behind, <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of a skill with making videos on YouTube. I think that everybody kind of learns is you need to kind of, nobody will ever see the video you didn't make. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you kind cool. of, you sometimes you have to ask yourself like, all right, this, I want to do this cool little thing, but I need to get this done by this time. This will probably take, you know, we've done it long enough. You kind of know how long it's going to take to do a mm -hmm. thing. And depending on the complexity, you just sometimes you just have to say, can't do it. Yes. Yeah. No way. Well, Which know, I, I, mean, I, I, I feel yeah, like, you the, know, the best, uh, like the number one rule for making video is done is better than perfect. Yes, exactly. Yes, you know, there was the, you know, I, I once heard heard this guy at my college uh, do, you know, this speech. He was telling a story about his grandpa, you know, who told him when he was a kid, "Good enough never is." And you know what? I was like, mm, yeah, I think getting stuff done. I mean, yes, have high standards for yourself, but getting just it's not going to do you or anyone else any good if you never get it done. Like it's all for me, I'm always fighting those like perfectionist tendencies and see, I'm not, and I'm not very good at putting that aside, but you, you have to just 
know when something is good enough and move on to the next part and eventually release the video. And you got to think about like the stage, so to speak. Like if it's just a normal YouTube video versus say like an actual documentary, like, you know, when you right. did the M2 complete works and mm -hmm. the night trap stuff, like those are top tier and you expect that to take a certain amount of time just because of the quality required because it's a professional product that's going to go on mm -hmm. a disc versus YouTube video, which, you know, you want it to be great, but it doesn't need to be quite as perfect, right. if you know what I mean. Right. I mean, the, right. the, the like, fact is, is YouTube videos are one of the most disposable forms of media today. Like people watch we, them and they move on. Even though on. we're yeah. trying to make content that we feel isn't <laughs> as disposable, you yeah. know. And but at the end of the day, you have to, you know, accept that some things will get outdated, but you, you know, you do what so you can, I, but. I am curious to see how, like, so for me, the way I work basically with, especially with the retro stuff is it's all about just getting assets. You just build up those assets while yeah. coming up with the story in your head. So I'll say, okay, I'm going to spend this amount of time just playing the games and capturing and then I'm going to say, okay, it's time to get out the camera gear and then it's film any kind of shot that I might think of. Yeah. Uh, I, I try not to do – because I don't have a dedicated place for filming, I have to get the gear out each time. Mm -hmm. So I try to come up with a shot list usually ahead of time uh, just to get that ready because I can't just say, oh, I need a pickup shot usually because it takes like 30 minutes to get going again. Right. Well, see, uh, I, I, then, feel like, I feel like that's a very good way to do things because for me – like i i find editing to actually be more enjoyable and Corey and i have talked about this a lot when we're providing each other material we we don't we're, eventually once analog frontiers is done we want to do that like kind of as our our default process because i found more fun when uh, Corey is yes. just feeding me stuff that i and sometimes the shots i don't expect i'm like oh and it's more creatively fulfilling so, i like to say when you're putting in something you didn't expect, but normally my normal process, which I hate, uh, is <laughs> that I'm like editing. I'm like, okay, I need this shot. I go make it. I need this shot. I go make it. Or I'll like write down like a chunk of shots I need. I'll go mm -hmm. make them and bring them back. And uh, them in. I see. And I, it's like coming up with specific ideas for what I need to fill each part with. And see, that's, that, that's, 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 that's cool, but yeah, that's time consuming. Well, like you said about people won't see the video, people will never see the video you you didn't make, or they won't know what it could have been. Like a video that was completely made with like these shots that I specifically envisioned in my head, versus a video that was completely made by Corey just getting me random B roll that was in the general idea. I I doubt the end viewer would know the difference between those two videos, even though with the first type you're thinking like, oh, like I had this specific idea and this is really tailored to the voiceover. But like, I don't think the viewer is really going to see that distinction. Yeah. Either. So I guess the way I do it then is I have a vision for special shots. Like sometimes it'll be like, I want to do this for the intro or mm -hmm. I want this, this certain type of like vibe for this part. And I'll have a few of those throughout a video that mm -hmm. I put a lot of time into really trying to polish up. But then you kind of think of everything in between, and it just needs to be good. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to polish it up to the same level necessarily. Like polish, but you know, it's not that that dedication and time. So it does help right. speed things up. 
Yeah. And that's kind of how it works best for me, I guess. It's good. And it, it works. It works best, I think, for games that can or for subjects that can be, you know, what what we like to term G roll. G roll is is direct. See, I, game I love capture. that term. I love that term. That's so great. <laughs> we, we, we have a G roll folder and a B roll folder. If I shot with a camera, it goes in the B roll folder. If I direct captured it, it goes in the G roll folder. See, I always <laughs> yeah. named my my. See, I had my B roll folder was filmed, and then the G roll folder was just capture. Mm-hmm. And now. Right. I started to want to use G roll. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, but like topics that can be G roll heavy are generally much easier than ones oh, that are yeah, B roll yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, like again, I keep bringing up this IPS video I'm working on, but like almost everything in that video is going to have to be oh. B roll because I'm talking about lcd screen that's like that's what happened when i did the video on switch versus nomad oh, <laughs> uh, you know, the entire video was filmed there wasn't a single capture in that in that whole thing so, yeah. so every right. production takes different, way longer you know, that has a different balance of those elements yeah and you want yeah this- so oh god oh i was gonna, i did want to comment like recently this year i finally got to really experience uh, that synergy of working with everyone together when we did the final fight video, right? Ah, on my channel where it was, I was working with you, obviously Audie, who I wish could have been here. Uh, he's a regular contributor to uh, the DF Retro stuff, and we have some cool stuff in the works. But you know, and basically all of the different people came together, and we just kind of like made it work, like really cool, like shots. Mm-hmm. Like Corey had some extra capture that really like added a lot to it you know audie's feeding me these crazy clips of things and he did a lot of <laughs> like, the writing on it and everything and yeah. it's just uh we were we made that thing it was like over an hour long and we got it done in like a week yeah. <laughs> and it was uh it was quite something i but i, mean, I, I really enjoyed working with everybody because usually yeah. i mean most of the time i just do every video by myself and that uh it feels like you can get into those difficult you don't know if it's if it's good like, oh, or if, what am i going to do next is it any good like yeah. it's hard. you lose that yeah. that's uh, like you know you just you can't tell if it's, it's if it's any good and and you and you've been living with it for so long yeah. that you're you like are ready to never look at anything involved in 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 it again i, I think yeah. it's it's also easy i don't know about you all but like sometimes i fall into this sense of where like I've worked on it by myself so much and I've almost taken too much personal ownership over it. And sometimes that ends up being a more miserable uh, frame of mind than a, a true collaboration. Cause like I said, editing the stuff Corey gives me is more fulfilling as an editor than editing my own shots. Even though I enjoy yeah. shooting the yeah, shots, yeah. like I prefer to like have one cap on at a time. You know, I'm yeah. this project. I am just shooting. I'm just gathering material or this project I'm editing. Uh, See, and it, that, so that's why I break together, it up. Yeah. Working together is, I, I think always more fun, even though sometimes Definitely. there is that temptation, temptation to be like, this is, this is my project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. Better. I've done it that way for so many years now that I'm kind of over it being like my project. You know <laughs> mm, what I mean? So it's yeah. it's more fun to work with a group now when it's yeah. possible. I, I so. agree. I agree with that as well. <laughs> so what is what do you guys find to be the the toughest part about making a video? Because I mean, I say that is because I really really struggle with writing writing the script 
is mm-hmm. extremely difficult. And and Try is a much better writer than I am. And it, that comes through in a lot. And he'll like read over my scripts and like like elaborate on certain things. I mean, granted, he does tend to get a bit wordy at times. And I'm like, I have to sure. I have to I have to kind of <laughs> dial it back a little sure. bit. But sure, it's, it is, is like scripting is very much a like everything else on our on our channel is is a collaborative process. But right. I, I wish that I could I could think and like like get information out in the way that Try does. And that's like well, it's always been the part like the thing that I struggle the most with. I, I, I mean, I would I would never like claim that I'm like a great writer or anything because I honestly have no idea whether I am. But I do find writing to be the most probably the most fun part of the process for me. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, I enjoy doing it, whether, whether I'm good at it or not. I don't know. I just, I do enjoy doing it. And again, I think that's something that we need to take advantage of more because I yeah. do enjoy, we need to take advantage again, that collaboration. Like I need to focus more on the writing. Corey, I think to lent, leans more into the editing side. Corey is a a significantly more efficient editor than I am. I get really down and just, you know, fine tuning little little things. And I do enjoy editing, but I I get sick of it more than any other part of the process, just because it's the one where I, you have the option to spend so much time in editing. And unfortunately I take that option and I just get (laughs) really down in the weeds on it. And Corey is much better at just like, Let's kind of sketch this out. Yeah. Let's get get all in there, and then we kind of tweak and polish to finish it up. Me, I'm just like just finely tuning every little thing along the way, and yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I guess for me, it's uh, I mean, writing is definitely can be tricky, but somehow the part that always gets me is until I have stuff down on the timeline, I'm very stressed. So it feels yeah. like even if I've done a ton of work, like two days worth of work, it feels like I've done no work at all until <laughs> I have like the first minute down. Once I yeah. have that first minute, I feel good. And it's like I often like to spend time on the introduction to get it just right because I feel like once that introduction is there, or at least it's somewhat mapped out, uh, it feels like I've accomplished it. And then suddenly the flow of the video can kind of naturally play out from there and the writing becomes easier and uh and that's another thing about the way i do writing that i usually write in chunks like i'll write like say right oh the first five to eight minutes of the video and then i stop and i just edit all that up to make it look you know near final and then i go back and start writing again because Mm -hmm. once i've already got that much edited and looking nice it just it inspires me to write more Mm -hmm. and it just makes the whole process easier rather than spending entire you know one time just writing the whole script just editing the whole thing like dividing up the tasks and doing them in different like that it it really works for me the thing i've been really experimenting with lately is to write a complete outline as i'm doing testing and stuff like that like i uh, separate each subject and i have like bullet points for things that i want to talk about and then i take that that section those bullet points and put them into a a few paragraphs or as many paragraphs as I, i need I do that too, actually. I mean, I just have like, a, I open up notepad.exe and I just write down all the little topics I want to discuss and I open it on my left monitor. Yeah, just kind so of what... keep looking at that while I write and like what order I kind of move them around and say, oh, I want to talk about this first. And you just kind of write from there. 
See, I, I, I write mine just for the most part, like I'm writing a novel. I mean, I just start <laughs> from the beginning and I just, just all this information just gets dumped out there on the page. I mean, so I'll, I'll like, like, you know, enter, you know, some little things. Like I'll just like write like a note, like, uh, you know, talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. So I don't like forget to put certain things in, but like, right. I, I, I'm not much of an outline guy, but I can really see how that's, that's improved Corey's workflow lately because what's surprised me, like yeah. when we've done some of our, our casual ad lib videos, like he's like, I, you know, he's like, oh, I put together a, you know, a, uh, an outline for it this morning. I'll click on the document. I'm like, this is huge. Like <laughs> you filled this out so quickly. Like I was really stunned. Like, how much of a complete concept he had of the points that he wanted us to hit on so quickly. So I, Corey is definitely very good at, at coming up with, I, I can see how that has helped your writing so much. Well, just to, to have the different bullet points that I, that I need to talk about, right? but then it's like taking that and fleshing it out in a way that I feel, uh, you know, that gets the idea of what I want to say across or explains it clearly. You know, I, I'm very good at, uh, you know, understanding things in my mind but explaining that to other people is something that i've always struggled with and <laughs> it's funny that that is part of like one of the main aspects of our channel is explaining this to other people and i don't think that i would have been able to do that uh without without try showing me like how that should be done well oh, I, man. I, I don't know i just i think through those those things like i mean like i always like to say like people shouldn't assume that, you know, people should probably have a lot of faith in, in John's uh, technical chops, but like people <laughs> should never assume we're, we're technical. Uh, Corey and I are technical wizards. We, I always like to say that I dumb the subject down to my level. Like, <laughs> Oh, if, you're if selling I, yourself short there. No, no, no I mean, the, the, seriously. Unless though, we're talking Sega, in which case, you know, you got to dumb it way down. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, like, I think that it has contributed, I think, to sort of the accessibility of our videos uh, is that, like, I'm just very good at banging my head against this brick wall until, like, something clicks in my head. And I'm like, oh, I understand this. And it's like, if I understand this, now I know how to help other people understand this. That's right. So, you know, and I'm always verifying these facts with, you know, the very smart technical people that we know, like, Artemio and uh, Stee and Bob uh, and and uh, all all those oh, yeah. guys. Those guys are amazing. Uh, Absolutely, and, when it comes to retro stuff. Oof. Yeah, so I, I'm always always confirming my facts with them, and like this thing that clicks in my head, I'm like, oh, I understand this now. I'll like say that back to them. I'm like, so is it right to put it this way? And they'll, you know, when they say yes, then I'm like, okay, you know, you feel good. <laughs> so yeah. like, because maybe the way they explained it to me was a little technical. And then I like kind of, you know, sift through that until it's like, Oh, I can put it this way. And they're like, yes. Exactly. I'm like, all right. All right. That's it. Then. Man. And this, we said so much on these topics and there's not, we haven't even touched on things like, uh, the technical side of actually getting the capture and when things don't go well <laughs> and just mm. setting up just the, the creativity needed to come up with cool camera shots, like filming yeah. the B roll and making it look fun and cool. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, that's always like, I always have to step back and think about like, okay, what could look cool here? 
And sometimes I just do a lazy desk shot, but other times I like to I'm, spice it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we started doing some of those slider shots, and I know you got the, the motorized Rhino slider too. And the thing uh, I, I think love about it. the thing I love <laughs> about the slider shots is that they like look interesting enough that you can like linger on them and editing yes. for a much longer period yes, of time. Yeah. Or so comparisons like so you can stay on them for a long trick. time. Which yeah, is good. And, 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 a, and a lot of in a lot of ways like it takes less create you know people probably think you're like overachieving by using a slider but honestly i think it uses less creative energy because you can make something look really cool with a lot less effort (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's maybe more effort to set up but like that's true it it helps so much and i mean if you you get to that then i guess the whole idea is like you don't want to repeat shot ideas from episode to episode and that's the, i know <laughs> it's like how can i how can i hope because you're talking about you know having that first minute and in the first minute you want to at least have if you're like shooting a lot of b-roll you want to have some some sort of shot that like really accentuates like like accentuates the subject and gets people invested i always think about this shot that i did at the beginning of the um of the gba consolizer episode right it's a, it's a slow pull out from it and I have like the games along the side. I was using like a wide angle lens, but I had this this LED light that I was just like sw- was switching in between colors on it and I used it to oh, to, yeah. to move it around. And it, you know, it's it's silly, but it really is just Dude, it, it's like a shot that lo- kind of pulls people in, I think. I think I'm still the most proud of the one I did on the analog super NT oh. with that introduction uh with the gradius music and all the color the mm. LEDs in the dark. Yeah. I even filmed the uh, I had my son come in, who was quite young at the time and still is, mm-hmm. and I had him stand right in front of the TV when I booted up the console and tried to film his eyeball so I could get oh. the reflection of the boot up screen in his yeah. eye. Tried to yeah. something like that, like did something like that really early on with the N sixty four, and with N sixty four RGB yeah. episode, or it's like this close up of your eye and Mario, oh, Mario, in Mario sixty four <laughs> is like playing. You can see it in your in your eye. But one of the things, John, I really like the, the shots you did with your. Uh, in the Mega SG video with all of the uh, Mega Drive games, like you got, oh, you got, yeah. you got way up. You put the camera way up, and you did like the the slide over top of them. And exactly it's, with all stacked <laughs> up like tiles, that was fun. Yeah, you know, talking about you know intros that we're really proud of and like felt specifically inspired to do. Uh, you know, you're talking about your Super NT intro, like something that I totally forgot I even did, and then like when I looked again at the super nt video a while back i'm like oh my gosh i forgot about this and i loved it was i did this like play it loud style like (laughs) introduction (laughs) for the super nt and like had like these like sound bites from kevtris with like the the low color depth and like 15 or 10 frames i forgot about that oh i remember that that's so funny and it's it's always Man. fun when like the your musical choice like really guides oh, it because I, I think about early on in the channel like having yep. to use these like Kevin McLeod uh, songs that are just you know that are that are public domain you know he puts out for people to use and there I don't remember when we switched over to actually using game music and I think a lot of that comes from people being afraid of getting a copyright strike against them yeah, and there's exactly. there's a lot of times where we have music come up for a second I guess I do it more than Try does because I. I like to use montages like a bit more often. I love that too. Yeah, but you I, never have it played for like longer than like fifteen seconds or something like that. And that's I, I always heard that the 
the cutoff point for getting a copyright strike is showing something uncut for uh, like 13 seconds or something like that. So if you pay attention to our episodes, it's very, very rare that you will see like untouched footage or just like having music by itself play for longer than right. 13 seconds or so. Exactly, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, that's the way I, to do so- it. That, that's something I always struggle with. Cause like you said, you do the montages a lot more than I do. And like, I, I around the time that we started the channel, uh, you know, my, my boss at my old job, you know, came from a TV news background. And I feel like a lot of what became my style kind of evolved from, uh, from working under him. And so like, I've always, obviously with TV news, you know, you've got like a minute, two minutes, whatever. And you've got oh, yeah. to just pack everything into that span of time. So I feel like I'm always fighting against this tendency of like, uh, if, if like information is not con- being given like every second, if I have like more than like a, a second or two between voiced information, like people are going to get bored and click away. And like, I'm, I'm always like trying to like fight against that tendency and like sometimes just give it just at least a yeah. little bit of room to breathe. And John and I have, John exactly. and I have talked about this a lot where there like a lot of times we'll hear like a piece of game music. It's like, I just want to use a specific part <laughs> of this song. It's like, it's, it's, you know, uh, a good example is in, I did a fancy star two video a long time ago where I have this one specific part of this remix uh, from, you know, this arranged album from like the, the, uh, the Dizo overworld music and I have it come in, and it's like this montage of me, like basically ruining the game, like using the hymn book. But I love the way that it like edited together, and you know, it's it's still one of oh, my yeah. favorite things that I put together. It's really good. I love that. Um, I I, I just want to say because I know we're getting. Uh, we should probably take some questions the, here. In in yeah, I just wanted to comment. Uh, one of the Uplink staff, uh, John, uh, there in the chat said. Uh, if you want more technical insight on hardware, make sure to catch the repairs panel at 315 with our chief preservationist, George Portugal. I, you know, I have to apologize. I've, I've forgotten some of the names, but uh, I, I'm, that might have been one of the people that I met at the Long Island Expo last year that was in like the sort of the museum section of Long Island. I just really wanted to call attention to that because like uh, whenever you guys, you know, can get back to doing an in-person event like that whole museum where you had all those consoles and old computers and you know the first ever arcade machine set up like that was one of the most stunning things i'd ever seen at a convention and really elevated the whole event for me and i was so mad i didn't bring my camera to shoot b-roll of some of that stuff because it's <laughs> stuff that you're not going to run across uh, every day see and, you just uh, touched and- on another thing there is we're always thinking about stuff to shoot yeah, yeah yeah but i i just you know i i did i did i did want want to thank you all for uh for uh you know that i i just wanted to say say a special thanks to your your guys's uh hardware staff out there because they they are super cool well uh, we're, but anyway yeah was there any well, any questions we should close yeah. off with do we have to cut this off at 315 <laughs> i mean uh like one thing i do want to say is that we were talking yesterday in our in our panel about how like we just have like a lot of this stuff and I think that as we've started to, like, as we shoot more and more B-roll of stuff, we kind of think of it as a way to, like, preserve this stuff and have it exist in a space that feels like it's not like a scan, but, it, you know, you can we, – we, we really like to give that hands-on feel, you know? Right. That You know, that's a, that's a very conscious effort I made with Analog Frontiers, like, for our – 
for our regular stuff, I have no problem using like a, a, a screenshot of a website or a video capture of a website. But like for Analog Frontiers, I, anytime that I'm showing a website, I'm shooting it off of a computer CRT mm -hmm. because like I don't want to see like JPEG yep. compression artifacts or anything like that. It looks cool, <laughs> yeah. And and I, in Analog Frontiers, because it is called Analog Frontiers after all, and like I a theme I really want to like keep strong in that and in, and in our regular stuff too, is like this stuff still exists. It's still something you can reach out yep. and touch. It's not archival material. That's like, you know, you know, like you say, like instruction manuals and stuff. Like I like to shoot video of it. Cause like it, it, th these are still real objects that exist in the real world. See, I love this because I, I think recently I captured some retro PC footage for you. Uh, in one of the videos and then you immediately oh, yeah. took that and you ran it into a pc Shoot monitor me. and then filmed the monitor and it, yep yep exactly. it actually looked it like work. a direct feed it was amazing it, it was so cool because i said uh, i put it on this little linux computer and i set the resolution to uh 640 by 480 i think which is what you captured yeah, yeah. it at and so the scan lines like lined up perfectly with like the, the Windows 98 start menu <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, I love that. It's so great. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking of ways to make it feel real. You know, a, a friend was joking when I was telling him about uh, about how I did that. He's like, he's like, oh, so Analog Frontiers is built on lies. I said, no, 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 it's it's movie magic. <laughs> uh, exactly. So I, I hopped over to the Q and A tab. It wasn't loading, so I wasn't seeing any any uh, questions. Oh. But now I re I reloaded it, and now I have them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go through those. Okay. Uh, there was a question from Rob R asking, uh, saying, "John, you sound American, but you refer to the Mega Drive in videos. Is this because of habit of being in another country?" I've always wanted to know. Um, I guess actually, for that, it's uh, I've lived over in Europe now for seven years, and I have about 200 games for the 16-bit <laughs> system and like 170 of them or so are Japanese Mega Drive games. And it's also so, a better name just in, in, in general. I, I love the name Mega Drive and I have more of those. So yeah, I kind of go back and forth on how I want to refer to it because I grew up with the Genesis, but I'm surrounded by the Mega Drive. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like how I usually, you know, I've got my, my PC Engine box behind me here like i feel like the pc engine scene is so much bigger than the turbo graphics scene and you know the system oh, was more yeah. popular in the region where it was called pc engine and exactly you know, the you know so for the most part you know i do refer to it as pc engine uh there's yeah. a there's a uh question from uh, patrick working saying along with uh retro rgb you guys uh really brought the mainstream Brought to the mainstream, the RGB retro gaming and PVM boom. Boom. Uh, what are some of the fir your first console experiences revisiting older consoles while seeking the ideal video signals and CRT displays? So, I mean, I guess, what are your first experiences like seeing uh, like RGB and stuff on 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 a, on a um, PVM and or just using? Well, good, for me, good it signals? actually goes. It actually goes back to like two thousand four, two thousand five. Mm -hmm. Uh, a friend of mine from college was like, he was he was kind of like already here, if you will, all the way back then, mm -hmm. and surrounded by PVMs and other CRTs. Mm. There were so many. I have pictures from that basement where it's like ten CRTs set up, and it's just absurd. 
Uh, but that was the first time we we went down that rabbit hole, and you know we talked about it a lot. We're just like looking into like very early mods, like really early mods, uh, to try to get RGB out of systems that didn't have it, and just kind of experimenting with all that. And it was very, you know, again, the communities weren't quite there yet, or at least we hadn't found them, so it felt very experimental. But CRTs were still around at that time, though, so that's the thing. And it was like yeah. years later. I had I got my own CRT in the US and I used it for a while but then when I moved to Europe I had to, I couldn't take them with me so I yeah. left them behind and then I tried for about 3 years to go without a CRT uh, I had a plasma and then I visited Corey <laughs> and I saw your PVM again and I was like dang it I need to get another one <laughs> <laughs> and it got it sent me right back down the hole I realized like I thought I had gotten over it, but I was wrong. Once I saw it again, I was like, well, I missed this too much. It's time to go back. I just got a <laughs> notification. Oh, you, said, yeah, Would just... you like to join the next session? Like, is it starting right now? It's it, No, I don't. You, just, you can just X that off. It, it'll keep yeah, us going for a little bit until it's... Uh... When does that one start? I, it doesn't take our place, I don't think. I'm not sure oh. exactly how it works. I think that no, we, can, we, we can keep going. Yeah, we can keep going. Well, we are on the main stage, I guess. But so I, I think it'll, just, it'll keep on going for people that are here. Okay. That, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, John and I, we, we, you and I talked about recently, even just like seeing the Dreamcast on a CRT, like even with composite yes. back in the day, where it was like, this is so crisp compared to like anything we had seen on previous systems. Oh, yeah. And even that, like, is kind of a precursor, like showing even a video signal that is not great, like looking impressive and amazing, and really making like, you know an impression at the time. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I started getting into S video when I went to college because I bought this ViewSonic, like composite and S video to VGA sort of scalar box. I didn't really understand the technology that was working in it at the time. I just wanted a device that would let me bring my video games to college without needing two CRTs because, that, you know, we were still in the CRT era. It was two thousand two. And, uh, but in terms, you know, so from there on, I was just like an S video convert. I was, you know, preaching the good word of S video all I could, but, uh, you know, it wasn't until like before the channel started that me and Corey were, you know, just talking on, or were we still on, on aim back then? We were probably oh, wow. using our aim. Yeah. Account. Yeah. Probably at the time. Yeah. We, cause uh, we, we started on aim and then we moved to G chat and then we moved to discord. Yeah. But then, uh, we were like looking at the the Hazard City oh, yeah. website and looking at this RGB stuff and reading oh, about the frame master. And I remember like looking at this stuff and I'm like, we were both I, like, this can't be real. Is this, this is this like, real? I was like, you you've like how how are you getting these like perfect sharp pixels out of like the actual console? Like I know like S video, but looks even the good, shots of, like, of scan lines made it look like a real a CRT, and we couldn't believe it. I was just like this. This, can right. this really do what it says it does? Can the Super <laughs> Nintendo really output that? And then once we did get the Frame Meister, like, you know, I some of my first experiences were probably Super Nintendo, I would say, because that was the first cable I bought. But that was also what got me into Sega Genesis, because, like, I wanted to get a Sega Genesis for a long time, but I was just like, man, you know, I tolerate the NES because I love the NES, but I, I don't want another system that can, not, that can do no better than composite. And I thought, I thought that's all Genesis could do was composite. And so when well, I discovered hey, we could do RGB, did you not listen to the marketing? It said Genesis does. 
and it, and it does so it doesn't do s video though but uh oh, well who needs I, that I, come on now i would have got genesis a long time ago or a much longer time ago if it had s video but but no like once i learned to do rgb i'm like oh so i i can't have a genesis and i don't have to deal with another composite only system so that was what got me to get and thank goodness i did at the time because the main games i won were the konami ones and they're getting expensive so yeah um so there's another question saying uh, was, i've always been fascinated at how you guys narrate your videos and seem to bend the visuals and music around the narration is this completely by design or do you guys always try to add something new each time you put it put out a video i mean i think we're always trying to put like new things in each time oh, yeah. yeah i mean i'm always i'm always trying to be conscious about putting you know whatever i'm talking about show show yes. what i'm talking about i mean i which can I be super annoying being... sometimes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, don't I mean, just the, the creative. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times there's definitely parts of the voiceover where it's like, eh, almost anything could go here. And that is, it is almost you know? entirely dependent how close to finishing you are. Yes, yes. When you're, <laughs> yeah. when you're, when you're on the last stretch, you're just like, eh, yeah, I'll put that in. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> no, I try very hard. Like, I don't, like, definitely with a lot of stuff John does, like, when you're sometimes dealing with, like, pre-release stuff and you've only got access to so much footage or you're just you just gotta get a video out quickly like i totally understand like when you're like showing stuff again but like i'm usually trying to like we will sometimes recycle material between videos but i try very hard to not repeat a shot oh yeah i know i almost never repeat shots either even on those quick videos i always try to mix it up the only exception is like uh when I covered the last of us part two recently, the restrictions were so severe for the first video that mm. I could only capture from like the, these two tiny areas <laughs> and you couldn't show anything else outside that. And it's just, I could only run through that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, in terms of like bending the, the video around the narration, I mean, we like to kind of go in goal. and out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Another question saying, do you have, do any of you ever storyboard your videos? And if I was a good artist, I would maybe storyboard <laughs> yeah, some things. I, I don't do that. <laughs> if we I had more time, it in I my guess. head. I, I was definitely more artistic when I was younger, but I, I, I'm not much of a drawer these days. <laughs> Dang, I used to be pretty good. I even animated a cartoon once. Uh, really? I spent a year doing like cell drawings for something. Oh, wow. Like, use an assistant to bring it to life yeah. it was amazing I, I wanted I, to be an animator back in the day I, I did too like i mean I, one of the reasons i went to the college i did was because they offered like a 3d animation class but yeah. like I, I i i eventually realized like i am better at looking at something that is that exists and then doing something creative with it you know in other words photography video yeah uh, versus like having that thing like spring out of your head as a drawing or a painting or something you know yeah see i just vision it in my head like i i usually for the videos i'm really into i kind of like envision what the scenes will look like and i often figure that out i go on a nice walk in the woods near a house and just think <laughs> about it and it's like oh, yeah okay. i used to do that like when i made uh, in high school i would make uh videos uh with with my friends in high school and i would just like you know, especially if I was like on vacation or something and I was like hiking in the woods or, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe I would even be like at my grandma's house and I'd just be like sitting out on the deck 
and right. I would just like sometimes I would like pace about and I would just like visualize like the entire video the movie that we wanted to make like shot by shot yeah you know, of course these were you know movies we were making and i think it's terrible. important but to I say like, like... <laughs> way, i was way into planning it out and like i didn't even need to write a script because i just like knew what i everything i wanted like in my head i just had it's amazing i don't yeah. i don't do that anymore though <laughs> just in general i think that it's important to just kind of step away at times, if you get really stuck, and I mean, like John doesn't have the, the luxury of being able to do this a lot of times, but no. there, there's there is times where I will be completely like frustrated with something and not know exactly what to do, and I just don't have the like the push to to figure it out that night. And sometimes I will go to sleep and I will immediately know what to do the next morning. You know, the the shower and on the toilet are <laughs> the two most creative places. <laughs> In the house, I, like, I can see the shower, but but not on the toilet. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes I come up with like the perfect solution to a video problem. You know. <laughs> All <not> right. A... <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, someone was saying yesterday they asked us what the video that we're most uh, proud of. Uh, what about John? John, what is, what is the the video that you're most proud of? Ooh, actually, I'm still gonna go back. With the the video I did on Onrush, oh yeah, 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 that was the first time I did anything like that. Mm-hmm. Visiting a studio, filming them, and producing sort of all a, on your you own know, that kind of video. I, I want to add, yeah, and I did it by myself. You jumped you on the plane all that... with all my camera gear in a day. Yeah, I did it all in a day. Well, all the filming and produ- that stuff I did it in a day, and then I edited it in like three days. But it was a you know, it's not the best thing. I've done some other stuff than that, but I was really proud of that one because. I didn't think I, I wanted to prove that I could do something like that on mm-hmm. my own, basically. And it was quite brutal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it didn't get a ton of views though, because the game itself, unfortunately, didn't get that much attention. Yeah. Even though I think it's quite fun. But uh I'm still really happy with that one. Yeah, I mean that it, like just doing that all on your own is really impressive. I mean, you interviewed like Whew. several people and Yeah, it was a lot of people I interviewed and yeah. It was uh it was, I had to manage it all in my head because it's like, you know, I had this day and it's like, well, I want to start filming you guys at this time. But first I have to go around the studio and film B-roll the office and capture stuff yep. and all kinds of stuff. And it was just fitting all that in. And I remember I ended up with a pretty bad headache at the end of that. Yeah. And not only like, oh, that, I can't keep... you had to lug all that equipment around. And then, I mean, did you make yes. it? You have to go back home that same day. No, I got to I stayed to the next day. So I, I had a nice dinner out with, with those guys. They were nice enough, you know, and just talking more about the game and how the, how they made it and all their tech. And it's just fun talking to them all. Very nice fellows. John from the Uplink staff says, there's a reason the thinking man is sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient yes. wisdom. Um, <laughs> another question saying, uh, Corey and Try, I absolutely loved your documentaries on Limited Run, M2, and Night Trap. For all three of you, what would you say your dream documentary subject would be and why? <sighs> Whoa. I mean that's that's a tough one. I, I I can say that my dream documentary is uh, doing something on working designs. Mm. That is something I've talked about for a long time. And there was a time where I thought maybe it was going to happen. I was in uh, contact with Victor Ireland, but I have not heard anything back from him in a very long time. I I would love oh. to do something with like some of the old Final Fantasy staff, Sakaguchi, Oimatsu, people like that. I think that'd be that'd be pretty up there for me. I mean, certainly like 
there's things like you know do something on like Miyamoto or something but that's just like literally never going to happen you know like i feel like <laughs> yeah I feel like someone like sakaguchi could in theory possibly be accessible you know you never know <laughs> yeah i mean for me it would have to be something like and i don't it's also seems kind of impossible but i would like to t talk to the original creators of the sega saturn and mm. really understand you know the whole process like when it you know, started like what they were thinking like just go through the whole thing up through the initial thought all the way through release and like the legacy of it and really explore it from that perspective. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've had like close calls with, with getting pretty close to some Sega people. I feel like they could be pretty accessible. I don't know if those people still work there though, but uh, yeah, that's the I trick definitely is, think doing yeah. things with Sega is pretty plausible compared to. Nintendo yeah, that's anyway. true. Hopefully get something <laughs> good out of that. Although we are, I can't say anything, but I do have a couple really cool ones lined up. So I'm yeah. excited oh, yeah. about those. Oh, yeah. So more details soon enough. <laughs> um, another question asking, uh, how does the internal hardware of the minis, I assume the mini system like the, uh, or the, the classic systems, um, how do they compare and which one is the most powerful? Which one has the most horsepower? And I think that's... So... Oh. oh I... I, I was actually going to joke and say, I'm not sure it can be considered a mini, but that Capcom home arcade stick has a rather <laughs> potent piece of hardware in there powering it. The well, actual hardware is very that, small. It's that, just that the controller is huge. That, that's <laughs> one of the few that can actually output like 1080p, right? Yeah, it does proper 1080p. I didn't even uh, think I got so, a US release, did it? It still has not come out in the US. No, it's a shame too, because you know it's it's weird looking, but it's really it plays great. Actually. You know, I want to say I want to say that I heard that like the PlayStation Classic. Yeah, like, yeah, is, that's pretty potent. Maybe the best one to like hack and you know put other emulators on I'm, I'm not positive on that but i yeah. feel like i heard that but there's a lot to say I, about that right i've not said too on top of like the hacking scene for that stuff. but there's there there's, there, there's nah, definitely something to say about the super nes mini just because it had interpolation right i do think like in terms of the visual representation even though it does have that noise like the super nintendo mini is probably still the the best representation of the graphics <laughs> Uh, another question saying, is there any video that you guys have done where you look back at it in retrospect and would drastically do it differently now? I feel like this is a can of worms question for any creative, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Whoa, that's tricky. Absolutely. Like, I mean, almost any of the, the older videos. I mean, even when I go back and look at something from just a couple of years ago, like I don't even like how I did my VO, you know, like mm -hmm. my, our, our, our voiceover has improved, you know, for both of us oh, yeah. so much over the years, even when you don't realize it is. I guess that's something uh, we didn't talk about that much. It's... You know, something, something that I was oh, yeah. reminded of recently because, um, you know, there was uh, someone doing, I, I, I don't know if the Kickstarter is still up. I, I haven't checked on in a few days, but uh, there was someone contacted us about missed documentary that mm -hmm. they were kickstarting. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I did my video with um, uh, Rand Miller, uh, like, what was it, like five years ago at this point, I think. And, uh, you know, I, I went back and looked at a little bit of it, you know, because I, you know, I, I copied and sent the, the guy who was making that other Kickstarter because he contacted us. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know if you know I did a thing on this. 
Um, and uh, that was, I think that came after we did the HD retrovision video. Uh, well, I feel I like I know. I, I, I think it was before that, honestly, because I think that the Rand Miller thing was before was the first documentary style piece on our on our channel. You know, I honestly can't remember if it was that which one it was, but regardless, it was the first time that like I had ever visited like a game studio. But like talking about, you know, if I was to get like specific about something that I would like go back and do differently, like something that we adopted as our documentary style, really starting with Night Trap, yeah. was oh, the, yeah. the presenter, the 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 host appears on camera one time. Yeah. In the beginning, just for about to 10 establish seconds, like 10 or 15 who, seconds. Yeah. Who the heck Who's is this the voice? Who's the, the stupid nerdy voice? Like <laughs> just to establish that, like this is the person, then they never appear again. Cause it's not about them. But with the Mist video, I kind of integrated that as more like, so it was more like a regular episode, except the one of the original creators happened to be in it. So it was more like my personal retrospective supplemented by Rand Miller. And right, today right. I definitely would not have written myself and my story and my experience and my opinions like so much into that script. I would have done that yeah. differently, but we, we very much with, uh, well actually limited run came before the limited run documentary came before night trap, but see again, yeah. our like both of us were in that right. as host, like we dual hosted that one and uh, you know, I wouldn't have used words like first person terms or second person terms like I or you in a documentary anymore. There's one instance of you in Analog Frontiers Part 2, but it was during the part where Corey is on <laughs> camera. And I thought that with uh, his face there directly addressing the audience, it was OK to use a second person term. I think about this stuff way too much. But, but it's, yeah, it's like, good I, to I've think about that because, a, you know, the whole I, idea of. Of, of a documentary is to like take ourselves out of it like we, we are not yeah, we are not exactly. characters in this story we're not involved right. in the story we're just right. we're just telling it right um so uh this and this one is uh i assume for, is for john saying have you ever had any gotten any pushback from a company or a developer who didn't like your analysis uh as far as i can tell only like once most people are very happy or like even when we're we criticize, I mean, these guys they know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. It's like when we find a, an issue, it's it's not like they didn't know about it, right? There's just right. other constraints that made it happen that way. But there was uh, that one video on Red Out, I think, that a former colleague did, mm -hmm. uh, and he made a small error because of the way the game worked was really bizarre. How it would change the resolution at fixed intervals. And this is this is actually the instance that made, really made me hate pixel counting. By the way, <laughs> that this stuff happens. But they they were so angry about that that look at the Xbox One X version. I think and well, it was now, just, now... they were threatening us and just like going crazy. And the thing is, though, is when they they did that video, like both Richard and I were on vacation. Uh, I was in the U.S. on Christmas break, and then all this hubbub starts happening. I'm just like, uh oh, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, so that was well, not fun to watch digital foundry is very fond nowadays of saying we're, we're in the post resolution era <laughs> yeah it's it's getting so crazy these days it doesn't matter that much anymore because it's not like 
there's too many techniques used to get rid of pixel shimmer and like edges. Like mm-hmm. they're doing everything they can to make it so resolution doesn't actually matter anymore. Do, do you think, so, uh, you know, if you compare like the tail end of last generation to the tail end of this generation, and my perspective might be skewed because I am playing on the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X versus the yeah, that's earlier the versions. Yeah. But do you think it seems like games have been much more consistent at reaching a relatively stable like 30 frames per second versus yes, the tail end yes. of last generation? Like it seemed like they were having they were pushing the visuals beyond what those systems could really handle. Do you think digital foundry's growing influence over the course of this generation has like directly affected performance targets in yikes in uh, game? <laughs> I don't that that's I, I kind of no think idea. it has I, mean, I I think I think I, it has. I hope so, but I really don't know. But I mean you've had instances <laughs> where uh, you've discovered issues and developers would come to you to try to help figure it out and work it out. Well, just right. like yeah, the, the Resident the... Evil 3 Xbox One X thing where they're like, where you oh, yeah. made such a a resoundingly sound uh, argument for why there's no reason for this game to be Do native this, yeah. 4K. And they immediately changed it. Or there was that the pre-release build of uh, God of War on PS4 shipped with a serious performance issue. Right. That was extremely distracting, and I immediately picked it up and ended up on a conference call with a bunch of those guys with my data in hand to show, like, well, here's what it's doing. And it's more like, I just want it to get fixed because right. I really wanted to play the game. <laughs> and I, I was mean, like, that, it looks so good, but this is driving me insane. Like, here's what I'm seeing, guys. You know, and and I they, think they immediately of, found it. So I think a lot of people, like, would look at more like a, a chance to say, like, ah, I gotcha. You know, I'm going to make this criticism about this game. And But, like, from our perspective, we're like, I want this to be good. Like, I, I want it to be good. Like, let's exactly. that, help, also, help you so that's it. That's another interesting point. And most most of the videos I do these days, I like to be positive. And that's also due to the fact that I usually we have free control to choose our topics. So most of the time I get to choose the topics I'm going to cover. Yeah. Uh, And because of that, you know, I I'm I know now usually whether I'm going to like something or not before Mm -hmm. it comes out. Like, you know, it's easy enough to look at a game pre-release and have a pretty good idea whether you're going to like it or not. And I'm not going to choose to cover games that I don't care about because exactly. it's not, I won't enjoy covering it and the coverage, you know, it'll be the data's there. It's just not going to be as passionate or you can tell when somebody's less passionate about something. So what's the mm-hmm. point I say? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes when they, they look at someone's body of work and you're like, oh, you're just saying nice things about this stuff because they're, they're they're paying you off to do it and it's like oh yeah that's the funny I, I, I don't want to waste my time talking about something that i don't enjoy like i'm going to point out flaws where there are flaws but like exactly you know i want it to be good so i mean you know i think that's well, why you, we come off as positive a lot i always try to present it again almost documentary like or more just mm-hmm. like yes i'm not i don't consider myself like uh this like raging critic kind of person it's more about yeah. right. showcasing things and yes. helping people appreciate the hard work that goes into stuff and like right. yes. also just understanding things like why does it look like this or why yes. is this an issue you I, want to help people understand because there's just there's enough people doing these like angry videos already and i know yeah. it gets clicks i see why you do it uh i totally understand that i just don't like to do that personally for myself 
I can't fault those doing it that much, even though it's not my thing. Like, you know, YouTube does kind of, <laughs> it helps there. And I think uh, I, yeah, another yeah, aspect but... of that is that both of our content, like the way that we approach it is like, I don't think that we approach it as like a personality driven video, right. you know, like even though exactly. we, we might be, you know, people see us as personalities and the way that we're presenting things, but we don't, we we just want to be the like the the vessels to deliver information. We're not. It's, it's not. A, it's not so much about like us, you know, being goofy or saying this and that. Like that might come across in certain aspects, uh, at times. But I mean, we don't. We don't view our content as personality driven. At least, like no. I, I don't. At least. No. 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 Yeah. I mean, we. Yeah. I mean, you said it. You said it. Exactly. So real quick to follow that up. Uh, this John, who also asked that initial question, asked if we heard anything about Horizon Zero Dawn, and we did actually reach out to them, and you know they are looking into this problems. That's usually what happens. You know, when you know when there's an issue, you reach out to the developers, and usually in this case, like in that instance, the game was ported by another studio, so you bring it to the attention of the original developer, <laughs> and they're like, oh. Oh, okay, that's not good. Kind of thing. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll get this taken care of. But you know, it's they they ultimately everybody wants to release a great product if possible. But sometimes yes. budget, time, uh, unforeseen problems, all that stuff comes up. So I always really feel bad as well for the people working on this stuff. Right, it's right. So hard to ship well, anything. Well, and I think too, once you start, you know, going to game studios and meeting the developers and stuff. It, it's kind of become a real big pet peeve of mine when people say like, Oh, lazy game devs, blah, 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 blah. Like yeah. I hate people talking about lazy game devs because these guys so work harder work. than everyone. And it's such a, uh, just mix of circumstances. Oh my why gosh. Things yeah. don't turn out yep. correctly. And hey, you know, John Carmack and, recently said that game development is more difficult than, uh, you know, space tri- <laughs> working space on tri- rocket ships <laughs> so and well, he's done both because so. there's there's tech and creativity behind it you know i mean yeah it's it's less objective <laughs> uh there's there's another question saying i um frame master versus ossc which do each of you use and prefer is there a reason to own both uh, ossc for me yeah ossc <laughs> yeah, for mean, us these days yes yeah I mean the the OSSC if as long as you don't have compatibility issues with your TV or capture card or whatever you're hooking it up to which is not the fault of the OSSC it's it's the fault of the bizarre the refresh original, rates and other yeah, issues yeah original signal consoles may have um but it 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 looks better it's it's cleaner um for most things the yeah. framemeister can have sort of some weird noise yeah. introduced it Especially comes from such a like different time, color. though. It's a much older device. Yeah, it is. And the but the one thing most people do not like how 480i content is handled yep, by the OSSC. I was going to say that. So Bob the FrameMeister is better in that regard. But you know, people have been sending us links like, "Oh my gosh, the FrameMeister is you know six eight hundred dollars these days because it's out of production and it's I guess reaching that point where people are trying to resell them for a lot of money." And I always feel bad because it's like the, the FrameMeister is still a good device, but yes, it's this, good right now in two thousand the year two thousand. Considering it's out of stock, there are significantly cheaper uh, community uh, driven products that are available now. Like 
by what's current. So I will say, though, that the OSSC can be a lot more finicky in terms of getting the sharpest picture. Like right. there's just default settings you can use, but if you really want to dial it in, you got to play yeah. around with like right. the back porch and, and you know, Cor- you know Corey and uh, Corey and me, like our philosophy is we use the generic scale scalar settings on the OSSC because one is just so much work <laughs> to get. No, like, yeah. I'm always like I'm paranoid that I'm going to get like when I'm doing the um, the optimized settings, I'm paranoid I'm going to get like some column of flickering pixels that I didn't see. And then it's there in my capture and then I like have to redo it, you know, and I don't, I don't want to risk that. And two, like, I feel like that's not what the average person is really going to get when they're using the OSSC and like me and uh, we and Bob, you know, kind of talk about our philosophies on capture all the time. A lot of the stuff that Bob does, he is trying to uh, show you how to get like the ultimate capture from the original console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that, that is great. Uh, and, and, and a very important thing to, to discuss and have information out there on, but like our philosophy is more like, what can you realistically expect to get out of this device? What, how will you see it on your TV when you're just playing the game for fun? Uh, I'm trying to represent, how does this look when you're using it for fun? So actually, is it, does anybody else here think of. Uh, Bob from Retro RGB. Every time you use Bob the interlace, I do. Yeah, I do. I do every time. Every I mean, time. And, and you know what? My phone. Every time I type <laughs> it on my phone, it auto corrects it to capital B O B. You know, even though Bob lowercase B O B is an actual word, <laughs> but because I talk to a person named Bob, and because I talk about Bob the interlacing, like multiple times a week yeah i mean it's his the interlacing yeah i mean like somebody needs to like draw a cartoon version of of bob and have his name be bob the interlace bob the interlace needs to be a character yeah i just like this oh this is oh it's my buddy i'm gonna call i'm just gonna call my buddy bob the interlace he's gonna come over yeah people people unfortunately just they don't like looking at bob the um (laughs) let's see here uh i've been really enjoying analog frontiers can we expect this when can we can we expect to see a few more and there's three more episodes planned it it is it is like a set and defined series that will have a beginning and an end and there's like a sort of an arc that is planned that goes uh, uh some themes that sort of have this arc that go through it uh, you know, it, 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 it's pot. We've sort of half seriously joked about the idea of like uh, doing like smaller ones in the future, like maybe on a more narrow topic or subject or just the work of a particular person that we might call like something like analog frontiers Gaiden. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but, like, I, I like the, the idea of it being analog- a standalone thing though, as well. Like, you know, like it just being a, this, it, this point in time. Be, and- but like if, if people really like it i mean people seem to really like analog frontiers so i could see branding something in the future is that but the the main analog frontiers series is you know it it is planned to be five parts there's a a definite beginning and a definite ending it Uh, we we would do another series like it if we had like a whole team of of people if we could hire like a whole team of people to do it 
I was thinking I should do like a Gaiden episode for you guys based on the CRT wizard here in Germany. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's there's this a ton of crazy. international people that that we would have loved to to cover. Mm, yeah. We <laughs> did mean, we did get Artemio at least. And yeah. There, oh yeah. There will be we we had extremely limited time to get a few sound bites from Tim Worthington and Marcus Hiankari. Uh, so ooh. they will appear briefly in part uh part five yeah but uh you know we we had very limited time you know marcus actually i don't know if that many people know what he looks like but he actually makes like a one-shot cameo in part two uh and one final question here is uh at what point uh at what point are contemporary open world releases more simulation versus game in their categories their categorization categorization how do you say it uh thinking red dead redemption 2 what are what are your opinions will this trend in triple a titles continue or will we see a return to more classic gaming i am so uh, sick of I, open world i gotta tell you yeah i'm sick of open world these days mostly although i love death stranding i've already and, said and, that <laughs> and, and breath of the, breath of the wild was amazing yeah, yeah that's i good mean too. It, it, i mean i think what the three of us are really sick of is clearing markers off maps going from waypoint to waypoint you know you know i I enjoy open world games where they give you enough information to kind of figure it out on your own but make your own way to do it you know yeah Um, i know what you mean breath of the wild um you know one i always bring up that you know most people don't like but i freaking love is lightning returns like that was exactly my style of open world game um, I love the concept of open world games. I like Bethesda's brand of open world oh, games. Yeah, those are cool. very different from like the typical like third person, you know, Ubisoft Rockstar style open world game. I still do want to play Red De- Dead Redemption 2 because the first Red Dead Redemption was one of the only games of that style that like really gripped me. Um, but you know, in terms of like simulation, I'm not sure what he really means by simulation. So I I think I know what he's getting into where it's more like the world itself is like, it's just sort of well a simulation, you know, where there's the, everybody goes about their business in the world. You know, there's a time of day, there's a schedule. Uh, Honestly, some of the stuff that, uh, uh, I guess Shenmue was talking about back in the day, but Mm, wasn't quite able to pull off, but Red Dead Redemption too. I mean, when you actually play its missions, each mission is very linear and cinematic almost mm-hmm. like it's trying to be like a naughty dog style game mm. uh, but then you get back out into the world and it's just kind of this like place that kind of exists and goes by it has its own rules and everything and i see in that case i think the world itself was so good and strong enough that it worked uh because you still had these interesting cinematic missions bookended with uh this really mm. interesting and beautiful world to explore yeah. but too many games are just focused on go to the nav point Mm-hmm. and that's not yeah. cool not yeah, anymore I'm... and that's what that's what ruined uh, ghost of tsushima for me which is such a beautiful game but the camera and just that again they don't even have visible nav points in the same way but it's there's still the sense of just going between this very limited selection of mission types and just mm-hmm. doing this stuff over and over and over again yeah uh, it I mean, really even... rubs me the wrong way even spider-man which i know you loved like i i started playing oh, yeah. that 
uh, it was either late last year or earlier this year. And like, I just got a few hours into it and I was just so bored by See, it. See, I, I really liked it because I thought the traversal in between the missions were. Yeah, you fun. started off kind of bored by it. Too, I was, but I was, that was me more being bored with the, the Spider Man character. I think. Yeah. I think Spider Verse and you. I think Spider Man and Death Stranding were both onto something in that they solved the fundamental problem of uh, traversal, where in a lot of open world games you're just pushing up or like just moving across an environment uh, without. There's no challenge or anything fun. Like walking across mm -hmm. these rolling hills is usually not any fun. You're not doing anything challenging or engaging. Whereas in Spider Man, springing through the city, just the act of doing it was fun. And it rewarded some skill. As you did it better, you could move faster. Mm -hmm. And it felt great to execute. And then Death Stranding was uh, like actual navigation was part of the gameplay. That is the like, game, yeah. The fact that you could, like, I love this. And this is something, you, open world games, usually you just, you can you come across anything. And unless it's an invisible wall, you can just go. doesn't matter. You can brute force your way through. Where Death Stranding is the game where it's like, you come across a river and you're like, well, how do I get across this river? You can't just walk across it in many cases. It's like you're solving problems. You're trying to figure out. you, And because you can only carry so many tools with you, and the more you take, the harder it is to move. And it's this balancing of figuring out what you're going to need to get to a place uh, that I found really rewarding. And I want to see more games really focus on this traversal. The, the dead space between the checkpoints and the waypoints needs to be interesting and engaging and part of the core gameplay well and you know i i was commenting to you when i beat death stranding myself that something that caught me off guard was i noticed in the credits there were two like lead level designers and you don't think of an open world game as yeah like well something yeah, that has I, a, mean. I mean maybe they do have level designers but it really struck me it's thinking yeah. like oh like they were like there was a plan to how you, you you could tell in that game where it, it was huge, but it felt like everything was like the routes were all very carefully considered mm -hmm. to make it yeah. interesting for the player. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's I mean, I really love important. the idea of open world games, but they, so the, the, the generic triple a formula has really just become it's, tiresome for me. Yeah. It's over for me. For I, I, I really want to play. I mean, something is still on my backlog. Uh, that I really want to play is is Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, it has some of those problems, but the the world and the narrative is interesting yeah. enough, and I the mean, combat's unique enough that it kept me going. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm always like compelled by the idea of an open world game, and I'll oftentimes buy them, but then like in practice, like I kind of become bored of it, or sometimes it, it grabs me in the right way, and maybe it just yeah. depends on my mood, I guess. <laughs> All right. That's any right. any uh, any so, yeah. any final questions here? I'm gonna. You know, start to wrap it up because yeah, a I gotta gone, I gotta pee gone and b it's almost oh, yeah. time to make dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and try has to go think about his next video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got set up for our stream. <laughs> that you know, everyone who uh, who's here, who's watching this, who maybe doesn't know that me and Corey do, you know, Sunday night uh, live streams over on YouTube. You know, where our channel yeah. is, and we do it I'm... at nine p.m. every Sunday Eastern time. And, I'm uh, planning to get into streaming sometime soon. Do oh, some man. digital foundry streams where I can run my frame rate tool live while talking about games. That'd be amazing. I mean, but, you've been oh, talking yeah. about that for a little while. I mean, yeah, I just haven't gotten around it. So busy with other stuff, but I mean, we're not announcing anything tonight though, but there is a, uh, there is, there is some fun 
projects coming up that all of us are involved in. Yes. And another very important person. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if we can share more on this very soon. I love being able to say that because you always hear that from the PR people. And now mm-hmm. it's like, we'll be discussing the details shortly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually get to say it. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, we wanted to thank, thank Uplink for having us and letting us go. Yeah. Uh, a half an hour oh. longer than our allotted time. It was a lot yeah, of fun. I mean, this, and thanks. This, this whole this this whole event turned out to be really nice. I think so. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad they were able to uh, pull off some semblance of a convention in 2020. <laughs> uh, w- there's good. one final question. I'm just gonna. And this is a good one to end it on. Is uh, what is okay. what is your guys' favorite modern game? It's like that's, that is a Ooh. tough one. To, I don't even know if I could lock it down. Well, also, I, one. I can lock it down. It's well. Dang, I'm actually I'm split. I'm split between two, and they were games of the year for their respective years. It's either Sonic Mania or Monster Boy for me. Oh, <laughs> I know they're based on retro properties, but they're yeah, new. Exactly, and they're so good, so beautifully, lovingly crafted. Like I just can't like that level of quality does not come often. It's funny because Try and I were talking recently about uh, very very early in the history of our channel we did our our favorite games of of the generation for last generation as it was ending oh yeah and we're like well we should do it again because a it would be really fun to see how this compares to the, that early video that we did on a, that was on an a, embarrassing video it's kind of an embarrassing <laughs> video now but and i was like you know i'm thinking about it. i think i think monster boy is going to be my favorite game of the generation <laughs> so yeah you you might actually be like i Sonic Mania is right up there next to it, but man, Monster Boy, there's so much creativity in that and just love and care. Like, I really think it's one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 that it's very, very good. I don't know if I'd have to really think about it. I mean, it, it feels like kind of a really boring answer, but like, I mean, Breath of the Wild would definitely oh, I knew be it. up there. It would be up there for me. I, I'll try. It wouldn't be you if it wasn't Nintendo. Yeah. Be honest. Well, but I mean, that's okay. Breath of the Wild would be way up, is going to be like in that's the very, top, like, very, three very for me, good. Probably, game. It's very yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, it, the the experience yes. of the experience. playing that game was, it's just something that does not come along very And that, that goes yeah. back to the idea of we didn't, we didn't know anything about the game uh, try and i have adopted this idea of basically key, yeah. deciding that uh we're not going to pay attention to any released material until a game was out like we decide we're going to get it and it's just not going to pay attention until it's in our hands and nintendo really limited the amount of information getting out on breath of the wild but that combined with like our idea of just like, not paying attention attention at all like really made for a experience of discovery that i can't mm-hmm. think of the only thing i can compare it to is like talking about games on the playground when i was a kid like nothing has brought me quite to that level although monster boy did have that a very similar situation because try and i were both playing it, it was like right before the game came out and there was mm-hmm. no no like like faqs or anything on it so we are kind of oh, figuring yeah. out a lot of this stuff on our own but like it's, sharing it's funny you say that by the way because that's my experience with most new games because we're always playing in pre-release right yeah. you talked about that so a little the, bit like you're living so in the just, future it's a weird it's weird because i want to talk about these games so much when i'm playing them but i can't yeah <laughs> yeah you said you, you you said i'm living in some like future time warp that i i can't it's, talk it's to so anybody weird. about it and it it it's it's cool but if you don't have really anybody to share it with it takes a little bit away from it it's like like when The Last of Us Part Two came out, I had just got Ghost of Tsushima, 
<laughs> so everybody's talking about that game, and I'm playing this other game. Yeah, I can't talk about it yet. So. And you you had Last of Us like a like a month before it came out or something, and then you had something to wait like for that. me to like finish it. And we are waiting yeah, exactly. forever. I couldn't say anything to anyone. It's like, oh, this is. I know, and then I it took it. me like another week or two before I could talk about. Yeah. it. Yeah. But it was fun because I got to experience it without any sort of the controversy or anything right. discoloring my experience. I just enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's how it. that's that's one of the reasons I I avoid, you know, pre-release information. Why I avoid reviews and everything because I don't want anyone coloring, you know, how I perceive the game. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it. Uh, thanks to everybody who hung out and watched for the uh, the full almost almost two hours here. I know. That was a lot of fun. I've been seeing uh, G to the next level in there, and I am always feel like I'm competing with him on Mega Drive games, though. <laughs> when, I see, when I see the collection up there, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Adam, you. You've made some pretty serious gains, though, in these last yeah. in this last year. Yeah. Like, this last year has been very good. It has increased dramatically. <laughs> I love that system, though. So what can I say? Oh yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love the artwork. In the in the chat, just said the trailers for Death Stranding were so spoiler free. I'm glad I avoid them. I and you and I, after we finished the game, we watched yeah, those trailers and we were absurd. just like, I cannot believe what is in this. Like it would not have been nearly the experience it no, was. Exactly, it was a mistake. And I, I made yeah. the mistake of of right. tweeting a, that fact. And a lot of people were upset saying, like, just by you saying that these trailers spoil so much, now you've, like, spoiled it for these people that are playing, have watched it, but haven't. So I had to delete that that tweet. (laughs) Anyways, all right. uh, We'll see anybody who comes to our our live stream tonight on our channel. And uh, thanks to John for for staying up late, I guess. It's late over there. I mean, I guess it's it's getting later over in Germany. It's 10 p.m. It's all good. Yep. All right. It's just hot. <laughs> yeah. Hottest day of the year, you said. Yeah, it was like 36, 37. It was, it was uh, Sounds not, like, not uh, a cool one. Air says... conditioning is not common over here, just to say. <laughs> Although I have my own unit right behind me. so Yeah, but with that RTX voice, you can't yeah. even hear it. Yeah. Exactly. Got, got, got to keep that game hardware uh, temperature controlled. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Take yeah, care. See ya. Or good afternoon or whatever. See you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>